The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masichet Sota has been dedicated by our good friends and Talmud, Mr. Haimi and Dina Dana, for the success of their children and especially the Fuashirema Moshe Ben Dina. יפה בצרה, ורונן נשמת מור זקני, יוסף בן צרה, ורבי אברהם בן אסתר, רוח השם תנחם בגן עדן, אמן. תראה זפס באינסטרק ורפואה שלמה, שרה רוחמה בת רחל, ושרה בת רחל, משה בן דינה, מרדכי בן סיפורה, משה בן רחל וגרסום בת סופי. אל נא רפאנא להם, אל נא רפאנא להם, אל נא רפאנא להם, רפואת הנפש. ולפועת הגוף ורפואתם, כרבנו בבכן ינסו ורמל אמן. בגין תלאי זדף אנדם דבב עמוד ראשון, and we are starting right on the top line. בואו וראה כמה ניסים נעשו באותו היום. כמה נראה כמה מירקלס נעשו באותו היום, כמה נראה כמה מירקלס נעשו באותו היום. They crossed the Jordan River. That itself was a miracle. The fact that we said, right? The Jordan River went against this current. As the Jewish people stepped in, the waters went backwards and piled up all the way until the last of the Jews were able to cross. That indeed was a miracle. It should be noted that there is an interesting uh, uh, question amongst the, uh, the poskim. We know that we commemorate Shabbat HaGadol. That is uh, usually the Shabbat before Pesach, commemorating the miracle of us taking the Qurban Pesach, the sheep of the uh, worship that was the Avodazra of the Egyptians, and they did not react. They tried to kill us, and God made a miracle, and they ended up having to uh, run to the bathroom, and they weren't able to you know, do anything to us. And it was a great miracle of the Nes Gadol that took place. Only question the rabbis say is that miracle actually took place on the 10th of Nisan. The year that we left uh, Misraim, of course, it's 10 Nisan. It was four days before we actually left. So then the question was, why don't we commemorate it then on 10 Nisan? You know, why does it become uh, Shabbat Agadol? No, it's the Shabbat before Pesach. Just do it on the anniversary. So some have offered an opinion that since there was another miracle that happened on the 10th of Nisan, and that was the splitting of the Jordan River, was also on the 10th of Nisan. So therefore people would get confused. So you're going to make a, you know, Yom Agadol or whatever it is. It was, oh, this is for the Jordan. They're not going to, they're not going to attribute it to the, uh, you know, to the Pesach uh, miracles. So they didn't want to do it on that day, so they did it on Shabbat. They go for other reasons why they picked Shabbat, but the point is they didn't pick Yud Nisan because they didn't want to confuse it with the uh, Yabdin. In any event, they crossed the Jordan River on that day. Uba'u, on that same day, they came to Ar-Girizim, which was very far from the border of the Jordan. Yater Mishishin Mil. As we said, more than 40 meals. Uh, more than 60 meals. I said 40. It means a normal person on a normal day is able to walk, let's say, if he's walking the whole entire day, 40 meals. Now this day, 
they walked uh, 60 mil from the border to Argrizim and Hanarival. Now keep in mind, that's after they crossed the whole Jordan, and after they stood in the Jordan for you, you want to make those speeches that he made to them, you know, that if you don't uh, go and conquer the land, the water's going to fall on you and all that, so it was, it was a slow process, and still there was enough time for them to go 60 mil. Keep in mind as well, when they say a regular person can walk 40 mil, that's one man walking hill alone. This was talking about men, women, children, a nation, which obviously is going to slow everybody down. And still, they were able to walk such a far distance in the course of one day. Comes the Gemara and says, And part of the miracle was nobody was able to stand in front of them, which means there was no enemy that was able to give them any resistance. You know, anybody that uh, tried to stand up against them, he got so scared from the pahad, so already he became, his bowels became uh, very loose, and therefore uh, he had to uh, relieve himself. So they weren't able to stand in front of us. The Pasuk says when the Jewish people entered Eris Yisrael, Et emati ashallah lefanecha. Right, that's the fear. There will be fear in front of you. Vehamoti et kol ha'am asher tavo bahim. Hamoti over here is referring to uh, the way they say it over here, a uh, confusion of the body. The bodies are going to become all uh, trembling. Right, the trembling of the body or confusion of the body. Their stomachs became confused basically, and therefore they had uh, loose bowel. And therefore, forgive me, but uh, that, well, that's exactly uh, the point that they weren't able to stand in front of Bene Yisrael. Ve'omen the pasuk says to Paul alehem emat now. Uh, simply, this pasuk is referring to Kiryat Yimsuf when the Jewish people left uh, Mislaim. The reason why the Gemara is bringing this pasuk is going to learn immediately that uh, there were uh, uh, miracles that took place uh, at Kiryat Yimsuf. Similarly, whatever happened at Kiryat Yimsuf took place also when the Jewish people entered Eretz Yisrael in the times of Yoshua. So therefore, just like then, it was to put alehim imat avafad. There was tremendous fear by the Egyptians and everybody else. So when we entered Eretz Yisrael, the Tzadik Yoshua, the same things that happened in the Ajashi that we read about the Yisiat Mitzrayim happened at that time as well, including to put alehim imat avafad. That there was a tremendous pahar and fear on the uh, on the uh, from the uh, from the Jewish uh, people. Okay, comes the Gemara and says, good. And this pasuk that we say in the Azashir, Ad Yavor Amecha Hashem, Ad Yavor Amzukanita. Right? The pasuk is referring to over here when the Jewish people crossed. Ad Yavor Amecha Hashem, Ad Yavor Amzukanita. So the Gemara says, Ad Yavor Amecha Hashem, when the Jewish people crossed. What is that referring to? Zubi'ari Shonara. That's referring to the first crossing. What was the first crossing? According to this Gemara, that's referring to the Jewish people at times of Yeshua ben Nun. That when they crossed the Jordan River, all these miracles happened to them. Ad Yavur Amzukanita, that's referring to Zubi Ashiniyah, when the Jewish people came from Babel in the times of Ezra Sofer. So they came back into Eris Yisrael, which means the Gemara is trying to say a tremendous point over here. That really, the miracles that took place in the times of Yeshua when they crossed the Jordan should have taken place the second time we crossed into Eretz Israel and the time of when we came to build the second Beit HaMikdash. Now we know those miracles did not happen, but it was supposed to happen. The two crossings should have been laden with all the miracles that are discussed in the Az Yashir. The Jewish people really should have 
have been worthy that a miracle should have happened to them on the second entry in the time of Zohar Sofer, like the miracles that took place in the times of Yeshua. But what happened? But the sin, the sins actually caused them uh, to ruin it, and therefore they were only able to go back with the permission of Koresh, who was the king of Paras, which means they didn't go under their own uh, sovereignty. Now the question is, uh, what were the sins that the Jewish people did? So that she says, uh, the sins were, look at that, she la'asot lehem nes, on them in the fifth line, la'alot bezroa, right? They should have went in the times of Ezra in force, in strength. They shouldn't have been subjugated to the, to the, to the government. Ela shegaram hetan rishon. So that she's already claiming the sin was already sins of 70 years earlier that they committed when the Bayit Rishon was around. That was Gilu Arayot, Abu Dazran, Shechud Damim, V'nigzar, Alim Shelo Ya'alu, Ela Bershut. They were only able to enter Eri Sen, the Tanzif Azaz Sofer, with permission, K'nichimi Bachem, Mikol Amor, which is they had to ask permission from the, from the king. Which means, basically, all the miracles that we read in the Az Yashir, Happened at the time when Yahushua went into Israel as well. To put Alimim at and all that business over there. And really, Ajavuram Zukarita, it should have happened the second time when Azaz Sofer came in. But what? The sin, unfortunately, caused that it was, a, it was an uneventful or unmiraculous entry on the contrary. It was done under the subjugation of the Goyim. We needed their permission only because the sin was Gorem. Come now. That she, incidentally, he claims that the sins that were committed were from the Bayit Rishon. However, there are other texts that want to come along and say that it was the sins indeed of that generation. Some of the texts in that she not the Bayit Rishon, but Dor Hashavim, the sins of the generate that generation. It's hard to say that for seventy years earlier, what somebody did that God is going to punish Azaz Sofer and those people. So some want to say it's actually the sins of that generation. And then even the Gemara continues. We continue on the events of that great day when the Jewish people entered the Jordan, entered Eretz Israel. We continue, again, so many events that happen in one day is miraculous. It's uh, so many things that they did, and then on the, in the span of distance where these events took place, obviously was a, uh, was a, was a, uh, a phenomenon. In any event, the Gemara continues, a part of the miracles. Remember we learned earlier that Yeshua commanded the Jewish people to take stones. Each tribe would take a stone from the Jordan River. Right, and they built the Mizbeah. That was by Har Eval. That's when they brought the Korbanot. And they put the limestone on it. And then they wrote the entire Torah on the stones b'shivim lashon shneemar like the pasuk says ba'er hetev, which means ba'er hetev. You have to explain the Torah explicitly in any in any language. Now the Ma'ar Shavir makes a an interesting point. Remember we learned earlier on the last daf, very important machlok between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda exactly how they wrote the Torah on the stones. The shitat Rabbi Yehuda. They wrote it on bare stones, and then they put the uh, seed on top of it. The Goyim ended up coming along with the Hachamim, and they peeled it off in order to read what was underneath. Whereas Shittat, the Mishra, is the opposite. He says, no, they put the limestone first, 
and then they wrote on the limestone. When you're writing on the limestone, it needs some more clear and lucid writing so the Goyim will be able to, to see it. This Gemara over here, if we're going to be precise in the order of the day, it says that when they got to Har Eval, what did they do? They, they built them as well, they put the limestone on, and then it says, Sounds like it's committing to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. That says, first they put the limestone, and only then did they write. So the Maharaj says, why would the Gemara, why would the Blaita commit to, uh, you know, one of the Shittot over here? In any event, uh, he comes along and says, that's one opinion. And Kharami was Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Some want to say, no, that this limestone is not the limestone of the writing. This was the limestone when they put the Mizbeach together. It seems to connect the pieces to the Mizbeach. They needed to put limestone just to connect the, uh, the rocks together. Then there was a second uh, limestone, that was for the Kitivah. So this Vesadu Besid is Inyan of Mizbeah. It's not the Inyan of the Kitiva. The Inyan of the Kitiva, I did it uh, a second time. Mahlok, Rabbi Shimon, which came first, which came second. Furthermore, there is a uh, very interesting remez that uh, should be quoted over here. You know, how do we know that they wrote it in 70 languages? So the Gibraltar says, because it says, Ba'er Hetif. You know, it was explained very well. So the rabbis give over here a gematria on the word hetev with a, um, a tziruf. What is it tziruf? Which means they count the letters uh, successively. Which means the first letter is he. Okay, so he is five. I count the he alone. And then uh, you count he yud. Right, the first uh, two letters. Right, well, that would be 15. Then you count He Yud Tet. Right, the first three letters. And then you count the whole word He Yud Tet Bet, which basically is 5, 15, 24, 26, which equals 70. So therefore, Ba'er Hetev, in that successive Gematria, will get you to the, the 70. So that's a remez that they say how they got to that point. In any event, the Gemara continues. Right, so they brought Korban Ola and they brought Korban Chilamim. Rashi says, Shechen Nitztavu Beota Parasha. They were commanded in that Parasha, Abanim Shilemot Tivnev, Zavachta Shlamim. That after they built the Mizmah, they had to bring Korbanot on the Mizmah. And then it says, Ve'achlu. They ate from the Korbanot, obviously from the Shilamim, Ve'shatu, and they drank, Ve'samhu, according to the commandment, like it says, whenever you bring Korban Chilamim, the Pasuk says, Ve'achalta Sham, Ve'samachta, which means you have to eat it, Ve'samcha. In any event, and then they went uh, by the mountains over there, and they gave the kelalot on Har Girizim and Har Ebaus. this Gemara, at least that that was done only after they brought the korbanot uh, on the uh, on the mizbeach. In any event, comes Gemara says the kipelut Now they. Uh, uh, the Goyim came and they took off the, uh, they took the seed off the uh, Mizbayah. Now, according to that opinion, according to this Gemara, it's got to be the Bishamon. I'm sorry, the Biuda. The Biuda, as first she said that what? That the seed was on the cover of the words, so they had to come and uh, peel it off. Uh, otherwise, you have to learn that this doesn't mean that. It means, according to the Bishamon, they just they took a part of Mizbayah. Right, they had to dismantle the Mizbeah now because we know they moved the Mizbeah stones to Gilgal. That's where they uh, made a, uh, a monument over there. So there's two ways of learning that. The Kipilue Ta'abanim, Uba'u Velanu Bagilgal. And they went to their first lodging place that night. 
and they slept in Gilgal. Shneimar ve'avartem otam imachem v'nachtem otam b'malon, meaning place the stones in your lodgings. Yachol bechol malon u'malon. Do you mean every every station stop that they went? Which means you think they carried the stones to every malon that they went? Talmud Lomar. Which means the lodging place that you're going to sleep that night, the first night. The pasuk concludes, They put it in Gilgal itself. So again, it's also more walking from Har Gerizim Har all the way back to... Um, all the way back to uh, uh, Gilgal. It's also a, a great distance. So they actually walked it twice. They walked from uh, the border to Hargrizim Areva, which is 60 mil, and they walked all the way back to the border, which is Gilgal, which is 60 mil. So they actually walked it to and fro, which is again adding to the miracles of the day, how far they were able to walk an entire nation in one day. Now we go back to a derashah uh, that we uh, said. One of the things uh, the Torah predicted in Sefer Shemot. When the Jewish people are going to enter Eretz Yisrael, the Pesach says, "It emati ashalach lefanecha." God says, "I'm going to send, you know, uh, fear into the guyim. I'm going to send in front of you. And it's, going to, it's going to kick out and oust all the umot, all the uh, nations. And one of the uh, methods that God says is going to use is the sirah." Some explain the Sra'ah is like a hornet of some sort. It's a dangerous type of uh, you know, flying creature. That the Sra'ah is going to come in in front of the Jewish people and it's going to attack the, um, you know, the, uh, the Goyim. Now, in the book of Yeshua, uh, when it talks about this hornet, the Sra'ah, it only talks about what the Tzra'ah did on the other side of the Jordan, which means on the, uh, on the east side, it says that it killed the uh, Emori, uh, the two kings of the Emori. That was uh, Sihon and Og. Part of their downfall was, was that Tzra'ah came along and blinded them and did all sorts of things to them. So we have a question over here, where was the Tzra'ah functional? Was it functional on the east side of the Jordan, like it's matched by the book of Yeshua, or was it functional in the... West side, like it's Mashmah in the Torah, where it says, and it's going to go and knock out the, the nations over there, including the nations that were in Eres Kenan, because the Pesukh is over there, Hivi, and then we know the Hivi was on the, uh, the other side. So the question that us is just that where exactly was the Sitzra'ah, which side was it on? In any event, comes the Gemaran begins and says the following, Tana, we have a bright that Sitzra'ah lo avra'imahim, which means that Sitzra'ah did not cross, it did not help them on the west side, it only was on the uh, side of the Mizrahi, and only fought the Emori and the two kings over there. So comes the Gemara and says, Velo? What are you talking about? How could you tell me that the Tzra'ah did not cross with them? And the end of the Pasuk says, Now we know those nations were only on the west side. So therefore, how could you tell me it didn't cross with them? It seems uh, it did. So comes the Gemara and says, Amar Bishu Amelakish al Sefat Yerden Amda. It stayed exactly on the border, and it shot out poison 
on the east side, but shot out poison to the west side over the border. Which means it blinded them above, blinded their eyes, and it uh, caused them to be sterile down below. They were strong like the strong trees. is referring to the to the eyes. The Maharaja says the reason why the eyes are called is because that is the fruit of all sin comes from the eyes. Because it starts with the eyes and the heart. Like the Gemara says, the eyes and the heart. So therefore that's the fruit of the sin. So it's called Piryo Mimal. And then when it says over there, Sharasha Mitar is talking about Sirus. So therefore you see that what the Sirus actually, the Tzara'ah, actually, uh, you know, destroyed the, those kings uh, as well. Now, You don't see from this pasuk, incidentally, it should be noted, that the Tzara'ah actually was on the border killing the inhabitants of uh, Sad Ma'arav. If anything, the pasuk just tells us, what we knew already, that they killed the people, the kings of the Emori. Now, the kings of the Emori are on the east side. And we're trying to prove over here that they want the border shooting uh, its uh, poison to the west side. So Maharsha points out, now the proof of the Gemara is that you just know the uh, method, how the Tzara'ah works. It shoots its poison. How do you know it shoots its poison? From the fact that it says that it blinded them from Lemat, Lemala, and it, uh, it uh, sterilized them from uh, Lemat, which obviously it shot, uh, shot at them. That's what you're proving, that it shoots. Once we're saying that it shoots, we can theorize and say it must have stayed on the border and shot the poison across the border. So the, this proof of it is not that it was shooting towards Eris uh, Israel inside. You just know the method of how the item works. And once you learn how it works, so that way we can theorize and say it was on the board and it did. That's what it did. That's the magic. Otherwise, the, all the Pasuk says is, Varuhi Shmati Ta'imuri. Emori was on the other side, on the east side of the Jordan. That's what we're not looking for that. We're looking to Seo Hivi and all the other nations that were inside. So that's the uh, interpretation. Not Papa, Amara Papa has a different opinion. He says, Havai. There were actually two different Tzara'at, or Tzara'at, we'll call them. Hada de Moshe, one side of the Moshe Rabbeinu, that helped him beat the two kings of the Emuri on the east side of the Jordan. Hada de Yoshua, and one was in the time of Yoshua. De Moshe, lo avar. Why Moshe Rabbeinu did not uh, go over. Like the Ebrayta said above, Tzara'at lo avar, ayimahim. De Yoshua, avar. But Yoshua's did go through, like it says, Vishalachtiya Tzara'at, that's referring to the second Tzara'at, meaning Yoshua that indeed went over and it attacked the nations that were in Eres Yisrael. Good. Comes the Gemara now and goes back to an interpretation that we said in the Mishnah. We learned in the Mishnah about the Hargirizim and Har'eval situation. There were six tribes that went up Har'girizim, and there were six tribes that went up on Har'eval. means the nation was split. And it says the Kohanim, and the Leviim, and the Arona Kodesh was in the middle, and that's where the Berachot and the Keralot were said. Our discussion now 
has to be which tribes were on which mountain and uh, the uh, amount, the population of the tribes and things like that. Some details about the tribes that found themselves on these mountains. So comes again and says that the Pasuk writes in the book of Yoshua that it says, and I'll quote the Pasuk over here, Right, half of them on Har Gerizim, and the Hetzio Elmul Har Eval. The Gemara is analyzing over here the word Veha Hetzio. Just say, half on this man, half on that man. And the half, was on Har'ibah. So the Gibra says, My ve'ahetzio, that's the he'ayidi'ah. What is the point of that, uh, uh, the, you know, pasuk? Look at that sheet. That sheet says, My ve'ahetzio bi Yoshua ha'kikitim. Ba'ikera demanitim v'chol Yisrael. Chetzio ilmul har'genizim ve'ahetzio ilmul har'ibah. Lama li lemechta ve'ahetzio temashma o chetzio ha'miyuhad. A special half, Basically, or right, normally whenever you say the half, which means it's one we know already. So obviously this half was mentioned somewhere else. So we're looking for a source. Where else do you see these uh, six tribes mentioned in a different context? Amar Rafkana, so Rafkana comes along and says, Kederech Shehalukin Kan Let's review. The Kohen Gadol used to wear the apron, the ephod. And uh, this ephod over here, we know, had the Hosh and Mishpat, had the uh, 12 stones of the Shivatim. But on his shoulders, he also had two stones over there, Abne Zikaron, it says. These were the stones of uh, Zikaron, of commemoration. And the Pasuk says, Shisha Mishimotam al Evan Ayhad, Shisha Mishimotam al Evan Ashini, which is the six tribes' names were etched on these two stones, six on one and six on the other. So therefore, when the Pasuk is coming along and saying, which means the six that were on the Haraiva, which is the same six that are already on the Kitfot Ha'ifot. Look at Rashi, Kederik Shahalukim. So they was giving us a name. The six that was etched on one of the stones was uh, on her uh, eval. And the Gemara is going to analyze this more. Comes Gemara says, We have a question. Right, and the pasuk says ve'et shemot hashishanu tarim al even hashnit ketoldotam. The pasuk says the Kohen Gadol had two stones over there, six that were etched on one stone, six was written, six were etched on the other stone. Now it says ketoldotam. It says they were etched in order of their toladot. Now literally that means the way they were born. Now the pasuk says shisha mishemotam v'shisha notarim. The the last six, right? Al even hashnit ketoldotam. So on the second stone, it's masma, they were etched according to their toladot, according to their, 
to the order that they were born. So the Gemara makes that point. Shiniyah ketoldotam. Yeah. The second stone, the order of the tribes was according to the way they were born. Which means on the second stone, you had the tribes Gad, Asher, Yisachar, Zevulun, Yosef, and Binyamin. That is indeed the order that they were born. Velo Rishona Ketuldotam. But the six on the first stone were not written in order. Mepneshi Yehudam Mukdam. Because they put Yehuda first, which means it was Yehuda, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Dan, Naphtali. So therefore, that's what the Pazu is coming to tell me. That the order on the stones, well the first stone was almost Ketodotam, except for Yehuda. So five out of the six were Ketodotam, besides Yehuda that was put out of order, because he was the male, so they put him on top. And the second uh, stone on the Kohen Gadol, it was actually all six in order Ketodotam. The Hamishim Otiyotayu. If you count the letters on both stones, altogether it comes out to 50. Implying that there was 25 letters on each stone. Esteem, they're not implying it. That's the first theory how the stones of the Kohen Gadol were written. Let's read the Rashi inside. Ketol Dotam, Keseder Ledatan, Shisha Haronim Kesedram. Right, the second six were in order of their birth. Gad Asher. Yisachar, Zevulun, Yosef, Ubenyamin, which is in order of their birth, which means the Shefahot gave birth to Gad and Asher before Leah gave birth to the last two tribes that she had, Yisachar and Zevulun. And of course, Rahel had Yosef and Benjamin. Zehu seder ledatan. Veshisha rishonim nechtevu ba Yehuda. Reuven, Shemon, Levi, Dan, Naftik, Seder, Ledatan, Chutz, Mi Yehuda. In any event, that's the first opinion of the Brayta. Comes the Brayta, continues to be Anina ben Gamliel, Omer, Lo kederech shechalukim bechomeh shepikudim halukim beabne efod. Which means, the order that the Torah lists the tribes in Sefer Pikudim. Pikudim literally means the book of counting. Uh, the book of Numbers, as we might refer to it, which we refer to it as the book of the Midbar. The book of the Midbar is mentioned as the book of Numbers because the Jewish people are counted several times throughout the book, including right in the uh, beginning. So therefore, uh, it says the list, is a Nushita, the list of the stones that the Kwanim had, that the sex tribes were written on each one, were not according to the order that's written in the book of the uh, Midbar. Okay, uh, according to Bamidvar, the order is Reuven, Shimon, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zevulun, Yosef, Binyamin, Dan, Asher, Gad, Naftali. Okay, you don't have to remember that, but uh, it's not uh, it's not like that. So let's see what it is like. So get what I says. Ela kederech shehalukim bechomesh sheni. That's interesting. The uh, the Torah, the reason why you call it Chomesh uh, Sheni, because the Torah is obviously five books. So each uh, book is called the Chomesh, because it's one-fifth, or we refer to it as a Chumash. But a Chomesh really would be the accurate way of saying it, is a one-fifth of the Torah. So Chomesh Pekudim, or Chomesh uh, 
of Chomishli, uh, which is the second book, which is the Sefer Shemot. Now, in that uh, Sefer Shemot, if you notice it, it has, uh, you know, written, uh, starting from Reuven, Ve'ele Shemot ben Yisrael, Abayim Mishraimat, Yaakov, Ishu Beto, Ba'u Reuven, Shemon, Nevi, Be'yuda, and so on and so forth. And we'll see the Gemara will tell us exactly. Ela, Kedrik Shehaqalukim, Chomishli, Ketzad, how is that written? Actually, let's read Rashi so that, that's counting Yosef. So Yosef is written less. That's a totally different order that was written on the stones. The Gabbara tells us that Ketzad, Bene Le'ah Kisidran. The children of Le'ah were written in order, right, of their uh, birth. That's the eventual one, the Vihudai Sakhaz Zevudun. Bene Rahel, the sons of Rahel, Echad Mikad, Vehad Mikad. They were bookends, which means Binyamin was at the beginning. And Yosef was at the end, and Bnei Shifakot Be'emsa, which means Dan, Naftali, Gad, Ve'asher, were in the middle. That's the way, according to Rav Harina, the stones were written, okay? Oh, Ve'elama, Ani Mekayim Ketol Dotam. So according to this, how does he explain what it says, that the stones were written Ketol Dotam? This is not Ketol Dotam, it's not according to the way they were born. Either stone did not have the uh, the way they were born. Kavz Gebran says, Kishmotam shekara lahem abihen, velo kishemot shekara lahem Moshe. Which means, it's the, or it's the names that they got when they were born. Not like the names that Moshe Rabbeinu referred to them as. What does that mean? So the Gebran says, Shekara lahem Moshe, reuven velo reuveni. Shimon velo Shimoni, Dan velo Haddani, Gad velo Agadi, which means later on in the Torah in Parashat uh, Pinehas, the Torah comes along and tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu was referring to the tribe of Reuven, for example, he calls it Har Ubeni. Now, that, don't think that on the stone it was written the way Moshe Rabbeinu referred to them. Or even in the book of Yeshua, it talks about Shevet Haggadi, Shevet Haddani. No, don't think it was written like that. It was written Ketoldotam. It was written the names that they were given when they were born. Reuven, Shimon, etc., etc., without the hair prefix and the yud suffix at the end. So that's Ketoldotam. But bottom line, we have a question over here according to Rav Kahana. Because Rav Kahana started off the Gemara, and he came along and said, Kederich Shahalukim Khan, the way they were split on the mountain, I said, Ha, it's your, the, the way they were split, that's the same way they were split on Abnei Ephod. But it's not so, because we know that the way they were split on the, now we know the Tushi taught on the Abnei Ephod. We know the two uh, ways of the Brighta. That's not the configuration as it was on Har Girizim and Har Ival. So therefore the Gemara says, This is indeed a question of Kana. And the Gemara says, Look at the Rashi. Look at the Rashi. 
Everybody agrees that's not the order that it was on these two mounds. The Ilu said that I Girizim. Okay, you ready to get Girizim now? Shimon Velevi Yehuda Yisachar Yosef Ubinyamin. Udhar Eval Reuven Gad Asher Zivulun Dan Naftali. For practical purposes, forget about trying to remember it. All you got to know is that's not one of the options of the Kitfeh Efod. That's all you have to know. Ketveh Efod either followed the first theory, which was Ketol Dotam, which is in the way they were born on the second stone. On the first stone, the way they were born, just put Yehuda first. And according to the second Shita, it was the way they were listed in Sefer Shemot, putting Benelea in order on one stone, putting Benelahel first and end, Benjamin and Yosef on the second stone with the Shifarot in the middle. That is not the order that they were on, Hargirizim and Hargirizim. So therefore, Rav it's not that your your derasha on the hachetzior is not going to work out because your derasha was it's like the half that were on the stones not so so comes Gemara says to you fell indeed Lavkana is broken <coughs> should be noted the Yerushalmi brings Lavkana as the maskana does not bring a bright uh, to question it. So Yushami obviously argues on the uh, Babli over here exactly uh, how to learn. In any event, the Gemara says, Ve'elamai ve'achetzio, back to the question, what does ve'achetzio mean? Ta'na'achetzio shelmul ar-girizim meruba me'achetzio shelar eval me'penesh shelevi lemata. The Gemara comes along and says that the half that was on ar-girizim were more uh, populated, more people on Hargirizim than were on Har-Eval. You know why? Because a lot of the tribe of Levi were downstairs. They were in between the mountains. Now Hargirizim, actually Shemit Levi was on Hargirizim. You got to keep that in mind. So the Gemara is saying something a little strange over here. That what? You should know. Hargirizim had more people. You know why? Because half the Chava Levi was downstairs. On the contrary, that should cause them to be less. But before we even get to that, we have to even understand what you did Ashai. And the half. What's so special about the half on Hargirizim now? So that she comes along and says... Ve'ainu de ka'amre ve'achetzio el mul har'eval ha'chetzio memu'at she'bechetzio So she's telling us, the he'ayidiyah is coming to say and the half, which means the minor half was on har'eval which means you had the majority on har'girizim and when the pasuk says ve'achetzio it's referring the half, which half? The half that was smaller. The Mahasha doesn't like that so much because you know why would you call the you know the smaller half the half? You know, the half is Mahasha the more distinct, the more uh, ashuv. So he says a little differently. He says that on the Har Eval you had six full tribes, whereas on Har Girizim you had six tribes less some of Shevet Levi. So therefore, he says, You know, those six, not in populace. In populace, Al-Girizim was more like the Gemara will prove. But in completion of six full tribes, that's the reason why it uses the Hei the Avra, which is a little, uh, a little more clear. Let's say. In any event, the Gemara asks our question, Adraban, the contrary, Mipnesh, Nevi, Lemata, Batsre, Lehu. Which means, what are you talking? Because Levi is downstairs, in between the mound, they should be less. 
How does the Gemara come along and say that Argirizim had more people because Levi was uh, not on the mountain? Part of Levi was down south. On the contrary. That should cause Hargirizim to have less people. Right? That's the Gemara's question. Gemara says, Achi Kamar Afal Bi Shilevi Lamat. Even though a lot of the tribe of Levi was down, so there's still Bene Yosef and Mahim. Since they had Yosef over there, they compensated. It seems the tribe of Yosef was very, very uh, big tribe. And therefore, even though you lost some from Shevet Levi, they compensated for it and over and above it. How do you know the tribe of Yosef was very uh, popular? So, uh, this is talking about the times of Yeshua when they were splitting and dividing the land. The uh, tribe of Yosef came to Yeshua and said, We need more land because we are Amrav, we are a uh, great. Great nation of people. Shneemar, wait the Biru Ben Yosef and you eat Yosua lemor. Madua natatali nachala goral echad vechevel echad vani amrav. Right, with so many people over, we need more real estate. So the pasuk continues by Yomer Adam Yosua im amrav ata. So if you're such a great, you know, a lot of people, ale lecha hayara. So he told go to the forests. Now, what does he mean to tell him that? Because you're so great, go to the forests. He was coming to tell listen, because you're so great, you have such a bit of you don't want anybody to look at you in the wrong way, it's going to cause Aina, so they go hide yourselves, go into the forest and uh, conceal yourself, so you don't have a, uh, you know, have to show a jealousy of the people, and cause have to show a bad thing, so they told Yeshua, we're not worried about that. Right? Anybody that descends from Yosef does not have to worry about the Ayin Arau. The Gemara gives two reasons why. Dichtiv, Ben Porat Yosef, Ben Porat Ayin over there, which means Yosef, uh, we said, uh, the Pasuk literally means that Yosef had a certain pen. Uh, he had a certain charm. Anybody who looked at Yosef, they already, they, they found the favor in him. And Pasuk says, Porat Yosef, was a, the, the, the view of Yosef gave uh, everybody a certain uh, charm, right? But comes to says, the Amar bi Abu Alti kore ale Don't say, uh, you know, on the eye, ela ole which means Yosef as Sadiq and his descendants rise above the eye, which is somebody looks at them with a jealousy, ole ayin, they go above it. Right, so the bottom is not able to overpower. Comes the Gemara and says, "Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Amar Mehacha, v'yidgu larov bekerav ba'aris," which means the blessing uh, that Yaakov Abinu gave Ephraim and Menashe, which is the children of Yosef. V'yidgu larov, he compared them to fish. So the Gemara says, "Ma dagim shebayam." Just like the fish. Why are they so populated, the fish? Because nobody can see them. They're all around the bottom of the water, so they can multiply with any ayinara. 
So too, Anzar Oshel Yosef, En Ayin Arashonet, En Ayin Shonetet Bem. So too, Yosef, Yidvu, they like the fish. So basically, you just see over here in the Gemara, that what the tribe of Yosef had uh, much population. So even though the V was split, some of them was down uh, the mountain, Hargirizim still had the more people because they had the tribe of Yosef uh, by them. We said that the Gemara said that there were 50 letters on the stones, 25 and 25. The Gemara says, And if you count them up, it's 49. It's 50 minus 1. They added one letter to Yosef's name, Shene Emar, as we learned that when Yosef came down to Islam, the Gemara is going to say it explicitly later on the bottom of the Amud, but basically he didn't understand the languages and he needed to converse with Paro. Gavriel the Malach came to him that night in the prison, taught him all 70 languages. Yosef was having a hard time retaining them. So he added the letter He to his name. Like it says, Samo. God changed his name to Yosef. When you couldn't get the languages. So the extra He, which is God's name, gave him an ability to get the language. So therefore, if you add the extra He to Yosef's name, so therefore it gets you to 50. So this theory says that on the stones it was written Yehosef. Comes to us, this can't be. Matkif We just learned Ketoldotam. They got to be according to the names that they were given by Yaakov Abinu when they were born. Yaakov didn't call him Yehosef, he called him Yosef. So therefore that doesn't work. Comes Gabran says, Ela Kodatorakuna Binyamin Ketiv. Without a yud. But over here, when Yaakov called his son Binyamin, which means most of the times, most, most of the times in the Torah, when you see the word Binyamin, it's written Binyamin, Bet Nun, Yud, Mem Nun, like Binyaman, it's Hasir. However, when Yaakov Abinu called his son Binyamin, it's written Male with two Yudin, Binyamin. And the reason is, is because there when you're naming the child, you want to give the reason why he names the child. So someone says Binyamin, which is the strong, uh, the strong son, like Yamin is the strong one, so Binyamin is the, is the strong one. In any event, Exactly that. If you add Binyamin with the Yud, you'll come to 50. We thought it's 49 because we thought it was written like the majority of the place in the Torah, Binyaman. However, the Gibraltar says, no, no, no. When he was called that it was Binyamin, so to put the extra Yud in there, that will bring you to 50. Now comes the Gibraltar and starts to be Doresh, some of the uh, uh, great things about Yosef as Sadiq. Comes the Gibraltar and says, Amar Hasida. Yosef Shekidesh Shem Shamayim Baseter. Yosef as Sadiq, he made a Kiddush Hashem in private. That's the Kiddush Hashem, obviously, the Gemara is going to explain, when he went into the house with Eshet Potiphar, they were alone, she was trying to seduce him, nobody was there, he controlled the Yitzhara, which is a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, he did it, uh, right, in private. So God added one of the letters of his holy name to Yosef. 
God's name is Yudke Vavke, Avaya, the letter here was added, hence Yosef. However, Yehuda, Shikidishim Shaman Bifarhesia, he made a Kiddushim Shaman in public, like we'll see exactly by Kiryat Yamsuf, which we'll see the Gemara will explain to us. Nikla Kulo Al Shemosh Lakajbarhu Yehuda actually has all the letters of Hashem's name, Yudke and Vav. So therefore the three letters, which is his twice, Yehuda has those letters in his name, so because he made a Kiddush Hashem Bifarish. Now the Gemara is going to question, what was the Kiddush Hashem of Yosef? Yosef Maihi, what is it? Dikhtif. Was on that day, right? Yosef went into the house to do his work. That he went to do his work, meaning he went to commit the sin. His work over here means the tashmish, which means he intended that day when he went in. That's it. He was worn down. He was going to go commit the sin. Now, uh, the Maharsha says over here, uh, how exactly that prove what we're trying to prove it? We're trying to prove that there was a Kiddush Hashem that took place over here, So it says, you know what Kiddush Hashem is? Yosef went in that day, he went in to commit the Averah. Some Kiddush Hashem. <laughs> what Kiddush Hashem is that? So we all know the end of the story. He didn't do anything. But it's very important to us to know his intent when he went in. Why? Because that will explain to us when he abstained why did he abstain? What was the cause of his abstention? Meaning like this. If you're going to tell me he went in like a regular day, not intending to commit the sin, and he didn't sin, I can tell you, you know why he didn't sin? Because he was scared. He didn't want to get caught. Because he knew if his master would find out about it, Potiphar, he would uh, do something to him. So that's, that's not a Kiddush Hashem. That's you're abstaining because you're not scared of God. You're scared of uh, repercussions of human beings. But the Torah is coming to tell us, no, he went in that day. He was committing the sin. He wasn't scared. Which means, from his side of the Yetzirah, he was going to go do it. What's the only thing that stopped him? Is Yerat Shamayim. So, that's the Kiddush Hashem. That he abstained because of HaKadosh Baruch. That's what the Gemara tells Adam. He went in with intentions to do it. So it wasn't uh, that he stopped because of somebody else. He must have stopped only because of the Shekhar. That's what it was the, uh, the impetus. The Gemara is going to tell us exactly in a moment. should be noted over here... A very important yesod in Kiddush Hashem, which most people are not aware of. Most people, if you ask them, what's a Kiddush Hashem? You know, they think of doing something in front of uh, thousands of people, and you know, doing all sorts of, uh, you know, publicizing God's name in front of the Guim, especially. You know, when the Guim come along and say, oh wow, the Jews are unbelievable, look how uh, honest they are. That is a Kiddush Hashem, we cannot take that away. But that is not the exclusive interpretation of Kiddush Hashem. Adrabah, from this Gemara you see that Kiddush Hashem means any time somebody, even in privacy, where nobody's watching, has a battle with the Yetzirah, and he suppresses the Yetzirah, that's considered you would just make Kiddush Hashem wow. To the extent... Where God says you get an extra letter to your name because of that. So it doesn't always have to be with the uh, the fanfare and things like that. One of the rabbis, I think it was Rabbi Volba, Arab Shalom, once said, You want to know what a Kiddush Hashem is? Kiddush Hashem is when a person uh, sits down to eat his lunch. He's alone, sitting at his table in his kitchen, in his house, in between the, uh, the break. And as he's uh, eating his lunch, he has a sefer open uh, in front, and he uh, has uh, his eye in the sefer, and he, he's eating like that. That's a Kiddush Hashem. What Kiddush Hashem? Who knows about it? Well, no. 
you're sanctifying God's name, that you're doing His will, even in a time where you're, you know, you're eating over there, you have a, you have a sniffer over there. That's a new way of looking at the Yan of Kiddush Hashem. doesn't need the fanfare necessarily. It's anytime somebody overcomes his Yetzirah. Now, of course, there's Kiddush Shemayim Mephadeshiah, which could be on a higher level. No, no, no argument. But you shouldn't discount the Kiddush Shemayim that's done. But a person's walking down the street and he has an urge to say Allah Shonarah. Nobody knows. And he's, and he's, in his brain, he says, I'm not going to say it. Who knows what he was thinking? Who knows what he thought? But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Oh, what a Kiddush Hashem just took place over here. What happened? There's no no news. No, no, nobody's going to talk about it in, 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 in the street. But God knows that this man over here was battling, and he overcame it. He was just Mekadesh, Shem Shamayim, Baset. A very important interpretation based on the Gemara. And anybody the Gemara comes along and says... He went into the house that day to do his work. He went to do his work, meaning he worked at Potiphar, he went to do his chores. And he actually entered to do his personal needs, meaning he intended to do the Tashmish. It says nobody was home that day, right? Everybody was out. It's such a big mansion he lived in. Nobody was home. Could have Where was everybody? That day was the Goy holiday. They were all in church. Everybody was in the Beit Abu worshipping. So why wasn't Eshet Potiphar there in church? So she came along and said, She called in sick. She made believe that she wasn't feeling well. There's no better day that I can go with Yosef. She had an excuse now. Everybody's out of the house. She's alone. Yosef's going to come in there, so this was a perfect uh, day. The Mephashim explained also a little deeper when she said, Any Yom is Kakni Yosef since that was Yom Avodah So the Tum'ah that was in the world on that day was so great, Yom Edam. Like the uh, Hasidim have a tradition that on Yom Edam, even uh, in our generation, they call that Nitelmach, that's the night of Nadal. Natal means the night of birth. That's the night that they claim that Yeshua was born, which brought a tremendous tumult. They don't learn Torah. Why? Because there's so much Hitzonim and so much Kilipot that are in the world that night that any Torah that's studied that night, the Hitzonim, they rob it. They steal it. Even the Kiddushah cannot uh, overcome such Hoshek Afirah of such a night. That's not Amin Hag. But you see that there is a Tum'ah that is tremendous on such nights. So this was Yom Edam, right? Ah, so Yom Edam, she said, this is the best day I can do it. Why? Because the Tum'ah is so great, Yosef's not going to be able to overcome his Yetzirah. Uh, so one of the books bring down, Ve'ichi Hayom, Ke Hayom is Chaf Hayom, which is the same Chaf Hayom, it's the same 25th day, which they also have the Goyim. So you see, there's a remez in the Torah, Ve'ichi Hayom, and she says, Yom Edam, or the Gemara says, Yom Edam, Yom Avodah Zarat Shalem, same day. And any event, the Gemara says on the Pasuk over there, Ve'ichi she grabbed him by the shirt and she comes to the Shikva in me. Right? She ready she says, Shikva me, sleep with me. But at that moment, Pat the image of his father came down and appeared to him by the window. Your name is going to be written on the holy ephod. 
and your name is going to be written with them. Do you want your name to be erased from from the effort? Because if you commit this nut over here, there's no way your name can be written on such a holy place. And instead, you are going to be referred to as the one that grazes with the zonot. And a person that goes with zonot, he loses his 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 horn, horn is his uh, his uh, his possessions. He loses his greatest, greatest, greatest thing. Now she says, "What is the greatest thing that a person has?" Very important. Now she, now she says, "Look at that she." Dibura matkin ye ebad hon shem tov shu yekar mikol hon. That's more precious than any money in the world, a person's reputation. And therefore, uh, Yaakov was telling Yosef, you want to lose your reputation, you're going to go with Zonot, you're going to lose everything, you're losing the Shem Tov, you're going to be lost on the Kedveh uh, Efor. Now it should be noted over here, so you see a very important cloud. That what? When you have the names of the Shivatim written on the Efod, it's not just stamped because they were the 12 sons of Yaakov, so they get their names written on the Efod. They had to earn, they had to deserve to be written on their force. That's a stam, which means if one of them committed an avera, even one time, finish. Which means there's a pigam in the shevet, and then you cannot be... Why? Because the shekinah came through the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. The Shekhinah spoke through those names. Those names of the Urim Vitumim, they lit up. And therefore, if there's a Pegam in one of the Shivatim, so the Shekhinah is not going to come. That's a very important uh, message to learn. Not only from this. There's a whole discussion in the Nevi'im, which we've discussed many times in the story of David and Melech Alav Shalom. David and Bathsheba. This whole business over here. Now, if the story is as cut and dry as many people would like to misinterpret it to be. When they read the Tanakh on a very superficial level, that he went and it was an adultery and all that stuff isn't over there. And he made Teshuvah and all that. Is it possible that David Amelich would be able to maintain Ruach HaKodesh and the spirit of prophecy that went through David Amelich in order to write the book of Tehilim, which was written by Ruach HaKodesh, which means even after the sin, David HaMelech wrote Tehilim Nun Aleph, which is written by Ruach HaKodesh, right? And that whole chapter over there, which is written again with divine inspiration, how is it possible if it was a blatant, obvious sin, you can't recover. Now, I'm going to tell you better. What is Yaakov telling Yosef? You commit the sin, you're not going to be written on their fault. What? I'll make Teshuvah. Eli, you see, even if you make Teshuvah, but you're not, you, you, that's it, already you, you fell. Like the story told of the, uh, the he was a famous Ma'aseh with the Arizal. Arizal was at the funeral of the Ramak, Rabbi Moshe Cordevero. And there was a young man, young boy, there, so when they brought out the uh, kever of the Bimoshe Cordevero, the coffin, the young boy said, Whoa, look at this! So he said, What do you see? Said, I see two pillars, two columns of fire coming out of the kever of uh, the Ramak. Tadiz says, You see this? Tell me exactly how it looks. He said, Okay, obviously you're holding by a high madrega. Not everybody was able to see what was coming out of the kever, and Ariza, this little boy saw it. He says, You're destined for greatness. You come tomorrow morning, I'm going to learn with you. That night, 
We don't know the sin that that young man committed, but he committed some sin. Maybe at Gava, after Arizal told him, uh, you know, all this business. He came to the Arizal, Arizal took one look at him. That's it, you're finished. Uh, I can't lie with you. You lost, you lost the Madriga. So you see over here, we don't understand the, what does it mean to sin. Does a guy say, no, everything's, no, I'm done. That's not so simple. Yaakov is telling you, if you commit this sin over here, but now you'll make teshuvah, but that's it, you cannot be read on the, uh, on the, on the Hoshan over here. Really, once you nikshal. So if David Melech was nikshal to the extent that they want to say he was, we well, think Viki, Shekinah would be uh, still with him, so you think he'd be able to make the, uh, you know, the, the Tehidim and so on, you see that it's very, very um, um, exacting. The punishment over here, according to the level of the uh, tzaddikim. The Gemara continues and starts to tell us about what happened. Vatish be'etan kashto. Yaakov Abinu is blessing Yosef as-Saddiq. And one of the things he says is, Vatish be'etan kashto. What is this referring to? Amar b'yohana mishum rabbi me'ir she'shava kashto le'etano. His keshet, that means his strength, the zera, which is like a keshet, because the zera comes out, shoots like an arrow. So the zera that was about to come out of Yosef, it, it went back. That's the strength of the zera, went back. He held himself, he held himself from wasting the zera. What did he do? In order to take his mind off the Yetzirara, so he caused, he put his fingers in the in the earth itself to pain himself in order that his mind will be taken off the Avera, in order that he should not uh, make a sin. And what happened? The Yetzirara came out of his fingernails. That's a mahlokit if that actually happened or not. Some say yes indeed, that's, that's what happened. It was a type of miraculous situation over there. The zera was not wasted from the regular place. And the zera came from that area. And the says, why did it happen? Mideh Abir Yaakov. It all happened because of the great father Yaakov. Mi garam lo And then what does the end of the Pasuk say? Mi sham even Yisrael. And because of that, even Yisrael, he ended up being on the on the stone. So the Gemara says, Mi garam lo For who caused Yosef to be written and engraved on the stone of the ephod? El abir Yaakov. That's the strength of Yaakov that came down and appeared to him. Mi sham even Yisrael. Mi sham from that, Zechut, he ended up becoming the leader of Israel, meaning in Egypt, Yosef rose to power, and he led his family, like the Pasuza Shneemar, Ro'e Yisrael, Azina Nohe, Kasson Yosef. The Jewish people are called the son, the flock of Yosef, which means he ended up going to leadership position. You see over here two things. Number one, the Hakamim tells anybody that is called a tzaddik, that means he overcame his Yetzirara of Arayot, and you see something else. Anybody that overcomes the Anyan of Yetzirara, he's okay to become a Melech. And the explanation is because once a person can become a Melech on himself, he has sovereignty on himself that he can control himself, he's that way not to be a king on other people. So Yosef had sovereignty on himself that he was able to exercise self-control. So God says, now you have zikhut to control over others. No, hey, Kasson Yosef. It's interesting to note the Zohar Kadosh writes that after David Amalek committed the sin of Bathsheba on his level, he was nitrad from Yerushalayim. He lost the Malchut. 
So again, whenever there's a weakness on a person's own self-control, that already takes away his sovereignty over others. And the Gemara says on this, Ayara Yosef which is really Yosef Asnik should have had 12 tribes just like his father because the Pazuk says Yaakov. these are the descendants of Yaakov Yosef meaning Yosef should have the same amount of descendants as his father what happened? so the 10 drops that came out of his 10 fingers those were supposed to be 10 more children but since they were wasted, so he only had two children. But still his brother Binyamin got those ten sons. Those ten sons that Yosef was destined to bring into the world were brought into the world by his brother. And what are they? All of the ten sons of Binyamin, which we'll see now, were all named after the brothers. I'll continue reading the names. Gera v'Nahaman, Ehi v'Rosh, Mupim v'Hupim v'Ard. So the Gemara now is going to tell us all these ten names were named really after Yosef. Bela shenibla' v'Naumot, because he was swallowed amongst the nations. This is after Yosef was in captivity. I know where he was. So Bela, so he swallowed amongst the nations. Benjamin was, uh, you know, remembering his brother. He never saw his brother at the time, but he called his children after that. Vabecher bechor Imuaya. He was a firstborn to his mother Rachel. Veashbel sheshevao el. God took him into captivity. Ashbel sheshevao el. Vegera shegar beachsanyot. He lived far away in a foreign land, far away from his family. Naaman shenaim biyot. He was very pleasant, very handsome. Ehi varosh. Ahi who? He's my brother. Veroshiu. And he is my crown. He is my head. He is my. My rise is older. Mupim vehupim. Who lora behupati vani lora iti behupato? Means mupim. He did not see my wedding, and I did not see his. Somehow, that's what the mupim is coming to teach us. Others say mupim is melashon pe. That what? That Yosef had all the divrei Torah of the father Yaakov ben Zekunim ulom mupim mipeh from the mouth of Yaakov came to the mouth of Yosef and was able to give over all the Torah. And then he went va'ard sheyarad leben umot ta'olam. And he went down to the nations of the world and he took ika de'amre va'ard shepanav domin laveret. That is, his face was so beautiful looked like a rose. Comes the Gemara continues. Amar of Chaya bar Abba. Amar of Yohanan b'Shaal Shabbatu bar Ode Yosef. Baladechalo Yunim Ish Et Yado, which means besides you, nobody is going to have more power than you in Egypt. Which means he gave the complete rulership. Amru istegnine bar Ose. The you know astrologers, the people that look at the stars, they came to Paro and said, Eved shelakon abu be'aslim kesef tamshileu alenu. Yosef's a slave. His brother sold him for twenty coins. You're gonna make an eved now, eved kiyim loch. You're gonna make an eved the king over us now. Is what you're gonna do? Amar ginunem malchut ebo. I see the the shades or the colors of royalty on him. Yosef had a certain air of royalty. Obviously, he's the son of Yaakov Abinu. So Yaakov, I see that he has. Uh, he's not an eved. I mean, he has uh, the the look of malchut. If he has royalty, so he has to know the 70 languages. It seems that the uh, 
a protocol in Egypt was the one that knows the most languages gets the power. Paro knew all the languages. Therefore, he says if he's if he has malchut, he should know the languages. So it says, Gabriel came that night before he came out of prison, and he taught him seventy languages. He wasn't able to remember the languages. So he added a letter from God's name. That's the letter here, like we said, Yehosef, Vilemad, and he and he learned Chinemar, Edu Bihosef Samhob Stralis Musraim, Sefat Lo Yadati, Ishma Ulmahar, and the next day called Ishanad Ishtay Parobad, any language that Paro was talking to Yosef, Adale, he responded to him. Then Yosef, after Paro ran out of languages, Yosef turns to Paro and talks to him in the Shona Kodesh. You know what he was talking about, so therefore Yosef got him, he didn't know one language but all. Ambar, this one, Paro says, Agmere, teach me the language. Agmere, velo gavar. He taught it to him, but he couldn't get it. He couldn't get Lashon HaKodesh. So therefore, what happened? Ambar, le, ishtabali, delo, migalit. You gotta swear to me, you're not gonna tell anybody, because you, you know more languages than me. And therefore, according to the rules, you're supposed to be the king, and I'm supposed to abdicate the throne. Swear to me, you're not gonna tell anybody. Ishtabalo, so he swore to him. Ki Ambar, later on in history, when Yosef wanted to go bury his father, Yaakov Abinu, Paro says, you can't leave the land. So what did Yosef tell Paro? I have to, why? Right? My father made me swear that I will go bury him. Which means, we know you made a shivua, so go to the rabbis and whatever, go... Uh, Absolve yourself from this way. Therefore, when I'm there, I'll also absolve myself from your shivua that I made to you years before. Even though Paro wasn't so happy about this uh, situation, go bury your father like he made you swear. Now, this type of rabbi over here has a very strong question, which is an obvious question. You think you're Yosef was blackmailing Parovia. How did Yosef do a thing like that? Oh yeah, you want me to go uh, absolve myself? You know, I'm going to also go absolve myself from your swing. He's not talking to his friends. He's talking to the king of Egypt over here. The king can, can kill him in one second. This would not be a proper uh, way for Yosef to converse. Says the stifle in Birkat Peri. It's a beautiful interpretation. He says like this. When a person gives his word to somebody, so the person that makes the commitment, it's very important for, for the one that receives the commitment that, that you keep uh, uh, the word of that person, that the word should be very important to him. Because so long as his word is important to him, he'll keep his word. But if Hasbis Shalom, the guy now, his word becomes cheap. And his word becomes compromised, so now you have to be scared he's not going to make good. So Yosef was saying like this, no problem, you want me to go make Katarana Darim on this, swear that my father is not a problem, but what are you doing to me? You're making my word already cheap, you're making my commitment weak. Because once already I can go make Katarana, so then a commitment's not a commitment, you can get out of it. So... What he went to say is, you're jeopardizing your own shivwa. Not that I'm going to make Kataran your shivwa, but your shivwa now is not going to be uh, high in my eyes anymore. Because once already I can absolve myself from one, you're risking now that just like I broke one word, albeit halachically, 
the next time you break the word is not halachically. And therefore, in your interest, better I don't make any atarani keep all my uh, words on a high level. But I don't understood such a lot. You know what? It's my interest that you never break your word, even halachically. So therefore, go, kashir, ishbi'ayecha. Baruch Amen, amen.